If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. We're going to introduce today Kerry Mack. Kerry's what we call a real all-round horse person. She's done three-day eventing, World Cup show jumping, she's ridden at Grand Prix Dressage, and fitting into that, she's ridden Western, she's been an amateur jockey, she's shown, she's currently showing and breeding horses, so she's a stud principal. And to add that all in, Kerry's also a medical doctor. So we can talk about that soon, but how are you today, Kerry? Yeah, very good, thanks, Glennis. Good, good. Kerry, you've done lots and lots of things. I'm going to ask you first for an inspirational quote something that you might use to inspire you, inspire your students, or just something that you use as a teaching thing often in your lessons? Yeah, I do like a quite popular one, which is the harder I work, the luckier I get. But (laughs) the thing with that is that it's not only hard work, it's actually sometimes it's working smart. Mm. And I know for myself there have been times where I've been working my guts out and it hasn't been working. I haven't been getting lucky. So then I've had to sort of step back and think, right, am I working smart? What do I have to do? Have I got the wrong goals? Have I got the wrong horse? Am I? So sometimes when it's head down, bum up, and you're really sort of getting stuck into pursuing something, it's not working out. Then it's not about not working hard enough, but not working smart enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think we're going to talk about you start with horses, but also your progression through the horses. And I think that when we talk about that, I'm sure that you're going to reflect on the smartness of your goals rather than working hard at your goals. How did you actually start with horses? What are your first memories? Well, I was lucky enough to be born into a bit of a horsey family. My parents were a bit hippie-ish. We lived on 50 acres in the Adelaide Hills and mum ran a bit of a riding school. Dad was doing lots of creative things. And my earliest memory was Dad was making a series of movies about horse riding for the ABC Children's sort of time slot. And I was supposed to be demonstrating how to feed my Shetland pony an apple. And he managed to hit me in the head with his head as he tried to push the apple and break a piece off. And I ended up <laughs> on the ground crying. <laughs> that was one of my earliest horse memories. <laughs> Not a very auspicious start. Was that actually in the – did he actually film that and put it in the program as this is the way that it doesn't happen or did he cut that one out? I think he cut that out and okay. we did another take. <laughs> so the pony got plenty of apples that morning. Okay, okay. All right, that that was a good start. Now, just going on, because you've done a lot, you know, there's not many people. I mean, there's even, if you think about all the horse people that aspire to do a three-day event, there's not many. There's not many that have gone on and done World Cup and there's not many that have done Grand Prix. But you've ridden or or been an amateur jockey or, or done lots of things, but you've done all that. Tell us how you progress through that, you know, just... Yeah, it's partly a function of living long enough that you can fit those things in and still being a sort of, you know, still loving horses and loving the riding and needing a new challenge. It's been a little bit pragmatic because to fit the horses in around the rest of my life, 
I've had to make some changes at different times. So when I was at med school, I was jockeying for money and I was driving trotters and I was eventing. I absolutely loved the eventing. I took a year off med school to event and then it really, the work that you have to put into eventers, keeping them fit, didn't fit in with the last couple of years of med school. I loved the jumping parts. I went show jumping after I finished med school. I did a couple of years sort of on the circuit jumping back in the day when Swan Brewery were involved and they paid for the beer and the prize money was good enough that you could run places and get from one place to the next, run out of money and stop and work in casualty somewhere. (laughs) It was a really great couple of years. Um, And then I kept show jumping until I had the kids and then I just found I was never going to get back up to a high level, which I like to do things at a high level so I made the switch to dressage which I have always enjoyed and that's just fitted in a lot better with family and and I've also found that as I've got older I can still set challenges and have goals and really feel like there are aspects of my riding that improve even though my physical capabilities might not really be improving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. I oh, think that yeah, section that off and obviously you're quite smart with your goals because you're setting them but you're not just setting the, my, the macro goals, you, you've you obviously set some smaller goals along the way to get you to keep you going. You know, it's good to it's good to set the goals and say, well, in, you know, two years' time or five years' time I plan to be here but it's those micro goals of every day getting up and doing something towards the goals so you're obviously along those tracks. Yeah, you've got to really enjoy the process. It's not just about the destination. And I'm a person, I would never set myself a goal that I really thought I couldn't achieve because uh-huh. I see that as quite pointless. So I've never set a goal of riding at the Olympics and stuff like that. I like to qualify, but I'm not I'm not going to set a goal that I have to give everything else up for and, and then I'm like, I should fail at. So set a goal, sort of smart goals or achievable goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Now, just and we talk usually about you know core skills in a career, but what sort of things? If you're going to teach someone about setting goals, what are some of the key things that you need to tell them about it? You've already said that they're going to be goals that you want to do and goals that are achievable. What else can they do towards working with goals? I think just the thing about setting short, medium, and long-term goals. Do you know you've mm-hmm. got to keep your eye on where you're wanting to end up, but you've got to break it down into little achievable pieces and do one piece at a time. I think it's really important that people are able to take responsibility for the things that they can be responsible for in order to achieve. You know, it's no good just saying, oh, well, I could do this if life was different. You have to make things work into fit into the rest of your life. Okay. Mm. All right. What sort of character traits would the person have? Because you would have a few different people, your own riders, your students who set goals, Um, some that you could probably tell are going to achieve the goal and some that you just think "Mm, maybe not. So taking responsibility, is that the main thing? Taking responsibility is one of the biggest things just because you just can't achieve things. You can only change your own responses to things. You can't change other people, so you have to be able to own the things that need to change and change them. Determination is really one of the biggest things that sorts out the people that make it and the people that don't. That ability to strike a hurdle and work out a a solution to it and that ability to have a terrible horse show and come back and... Fix things up, really learn from your mistakes. I think that's really key, is that 
ability to learn from your mistakes and that determination to keep them going mm-hmm. through disappointments. You know, horse riding, no matter whichever discipline it is, it's really tough. Things go wrong all the time. Horses hurt themselves. Just it's so difficult. So it's really that ability to bounce back. Sometimes, you know, you, you think of those things that happen and you go, oh, well, it's character building. But sometimes at my age, I feel like I've got enough character and I don't need any more of those things. But <laughs> that's still the way it goes. You just mm. have to be able to bounce back mm-hmm. if, if you're going to succeed in anything. Yep, yep. Mm. Okay, now people who've helped you along the way, can you talk about that? Yeah, lots and lots of people. My, my current coach, Lonnie Organson, is a huge help and a mentor. I really enjoy working with the same coach over a long period of time. We know each other quite well and she really helps me. Um, going back, probably my earliest influences were my mum, who was a really capable horsewoman mm-hmm. from a traditional Aussie kind of background. She's been really helpful and and she and I were probably both influenced greatly by Tom Roberts. So Tom Roberts okay. was an absolutely marvellous horseman in Adelaide. Um, people are still at the moment trying to pr- sort of promote his memory and keep his stuff alive. But he was way ahead of his time. I remember he used to come to our place when I was quite little. And I just remember this lovely old guy. He seemed very old to me at the time, even though he was in the 60s. And he just sort of crooned to the horse, it will profit you not, my love. And you have this very patient, very clear, you know, it will profit you not, my love. It was this (laughs) sense of kindness and determination just in that little phrase. And I often keep that little phrase in my head and I'll often go back to Tom's books and, and refer to things and think about things that he said. Okay. Lots of other people, you okay. know, um, Andrew McLean has taken yes. Tom Roberts' ideas and linked them in mm-hmm. with what we know from learning theory. I like to take a lot of ideas from lots of different places. I read a lot of books. Buddhism is a big influence for me and ideas about compassion and kindness and emotional regulation. But I find there's a lot of synergy between psychiatry and horse riding mm-hmm. and one of the things is just having that approach to excellence. At the moment I'm particularly interested in comparative neuroanatomy and looking at what we know about brain function and anatomy and understanding. I suppose I'm very interested in the idea of empathy from a mm-hmm. professional point of view in both of my sort of careers. Yep. Empathy with a horse and to have empathy, it's really necessary to understand what a horse is. And I think coming back to fundamental brain structure and function can inform us quite a lot about mm-hmm what a horse is and what its capabilities are. We tend to overestimate some of the capabilities when we anthropomorphise horses and think of them as if they experience things more like well. Um, and in fact, and we underestimate some of it, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I've underestimated the, the sort of emotional capacities of horses. Okay. So that's one of the things that's interesting me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about it a bit some more, but we probably don't have time today, so so we might just leave that one. What about horses who've influenced you? Well, I love that idea of my horses, my teachers that Podaisky wrote about in mm-hmm. his books, and I think it's hard to pick out amongst a lot of the horses. Obviously, the biggest influence in my life from a horse point of view is Mayfield Pizzazz. I bought him as a three-year-old today and took him through to... World Young Horse Championship and did 10 years of World Cup dressage with him and got some great placings and some wonderful experiences. And he didn't just teach me stuff, he really became part of my identity and he really 
took me from being, I took him from being a three-year-old to a Grand Prix horse, but he took me from being kind of middle-aged lady doctor who wanted to ride to competing for Australia and qualifying for Olympic Games and all that kind of stuff. So he is the horse of a lifetime and it's such a privilege and an amazing stroke of luck to have a horse like that in your life. Mm -hmm. You just can't compare anything else to him. But there have certainly been other horses. I had a wonderful horse called the Quiet Man who was incredibly brave and jumped me around World Cups and sort of made me into a try-hard World Cup rider. And my current horses are teaching me a different lesson. So each horse really, I think, brings its character and personality and and the challenge of trying to make that horse the best that it can be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now... Which of those are your proudest moments? Well, it's pretty cool standing in the lineup at a World Championships <laughs> with the Australian flag in the background. And I know it's only a World Young World Championships, it's not like the Olympics or anything, but that was pretty jolly amazing yep. to be standing in the lineup and getting a ribbon and looking at the ones, you know, on the right side of the line for me. And you won the class, and there's all those famous riders. And just even being in the warm up for that was pretty amazing. Mm. Just being riding around in the warm up with Anki and Kira Kirkland and all those people, it was that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Um, I got a third a couple of times at Equitana, and you know, coming up and competing against people that I'd really looked up to for a long, long time. People like Heath, mm-hmm. people who've ridden at the games and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's always pretty inspiring. Earlier on, you know, it was really inspiring to ride around the Grand Prix of Australia show jumping competition at Wentworth Park. They set the course to a similar standard as what they wanted for Seoul because it was a big selection event and they had the same course builders. So there are lots of moments, but they're the ones that probably stand out the most. It's the competitions and the success in the competitions stand out because you're so charged up about it and that's the fulfilment of a goal and, and those things. But there's those everyday moments when a horse understands something and does its first clean flying change or when you finally manage to get them to do the traverse in a fluent way or you start to feel a trot getting more expressive. It's always really exciting in those first few steps of passage and PF particularly. You never know if a horse is going to PF until they do. and So when you start to get the PF steps, that's pretty exciting as well. It's pretty exciting when you take a horse that you've bred or been involved with right from the beginning and you get them out there doing doing the big time, thinking about what they were like the moment they were born and then there they are, all grown up, competing and stuff. That's cool. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, there's lots of lots of moments there and I like the way you appreciate the the small moments too, you know, just when the horse offers you something, just when there's just that little bit of a change in their thought process to say, oh, this is what you need, this is what you mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the most rewarding parts of it, I think, is seeing horses mature and seeing their personalities develop. I know Ingrid Klimker's talked about this recently, how as you train a horse, if you train it well and their personalities seem to come out. It's, it's lovely to see as the horse matures and they mm-hmm. develop confidence. To me, that's that's the sort of creative process that yep. keeps you going every day is the transformation of a horse and taking a, a baby youngster with no top line and turning it into something really beautiful and confident mm-hmm. and athletic. It's yep. really rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Now, talking about 
your students, what's a common problem that you see, and it may not be your students, it may be in other people that you see when you're out competing, common problem that you see and how to fix it? In something I see that's quite a, a general problem is that moment when a horse isn't cooperating or isn't doing what the rider's asking and they start to think that it's the horse's problem, that the horse won't do it and they start to get annoyed or feel like the horse is attacking them or deliberately not being cooperative and they've forgotten to check whether as they're asking for that half pass are they still sitting on the inside leg not, you know, commonly people will use their outside leg to go sideways and then as they use the outside leg then their weight sort of transfers over that leg because that's something that we naturally do. I mean in that moment that you use your outside leg and the horse doesn't go across so using your right leg or sort of go to the left because you're sitting a bit too much to the right and then people start to think you know that the horse is the horse's problem and they forget to double check that they're telling the horse that they're communicating clearly to the horse what it is that they want. So it's that moment, whatever you're doing, where you start to think, oh, this bloody horse isn't, you know, isn't doing what it's supposed to do. I think it's good if that can become a little trigger to go, okay, he's not doing what I want him to do, so am I communicating it to him clearly? Am I helping him to understand what it is that I want? When people start to get frustrated, then it switches off to their thinking part of their brains. <laughs> Emotion switches off the thinking part of your brains. And, and when you start to feel those negative emotions to the horse is often when you start to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So that's a common thing. Just to try to build in a little checklist to yourself that when you start to get frustrated, you have to kind of stop, breathe out, and just go back to thinking, right, am I applying these aids in a clear way? Does he have the building blocks to perform what I want him to ask? Do I need to go back a step and remind him about a reaction that I want to get? It's those kind of things. That's probably the commonest problem is that starting to get emotional and then losing the ability to notice what's going on in your own body. Mm-hmm. And that's, I suppose, going back to the, you know, one of the skills that you talked about or the character traits is someone that's able to take responsibility. Yeah. And we all have those moments, no matter how much responsibility you have to take, we all have those moments that our feelings get in the way. That's part of the journey, I think, with horse riding is learning how to really regulate your emotions and stay calm. Okay, okay. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. All right. I think just your broad experience with horses, if you've got, you know, you're recommending to someone who's saying, look, I want to do this, this and this, what's something that you could say to them? You talked about, you know, this is what I did here. Um, how, how can you fit all of this in if someone has a lot of different goals that they want to achieve? Well, coming back to the first part of the question, one of the most important things if you're setting goals, making sure that the goal that you want to set matches the capabilities of the horse mm-hmm. and that your horse are a good fit to each other. So sometimes I see people who think that the goal that they want to set is to ride at a high level, but actually so they want a horse with the potential to ride at a high level, but perhaps what they really need is a horse that can teach them how to be stable and how to give the aids and how to ride a decent test and those things. So sometimes people's horses don't match 
the goal and their abilities. Okay. So you have to have thing in terms of stepping stones, and sometimes that means stepping stones horses too. The horse has to be a good fit to your ability and to your goals. Mm-hmm. So if your goals don't match ability or your horse's ability doesn't match the goals. So that thing about choosing the right horse is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard thing because quite often you see people who've got a horse that they really love, but it's not a good fit for their ability or a good fit for the goals that they want to set for themselves. It's, yeah. it's no good deciding you want to be a World Cup show jumper and a horse that really might be lovely but actually can't jump okay. more than a metre 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's really important. The other part of the question that I think was more about fitting things in with the rest of your life and how to achieve goals, and, and a lot of it's about management and it's about prioritising. I love the little grid that you about time management sort of think about well, what's urgent and what's not urgent and mm-hmm. what's important and what's not important and, and try and make sure that you do the urgent important things okay. and the not urgent important things mm-hmm. before you get around to doing things that feel urgent that might not be important. Okay, okay. All right, have you got a book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, re- I read a lot of books yep. and I think of reading books. Like you certainly can't learn horse riding out of a book, but you can learn a lot of really interesting things that help inform you. My favourite book is Alois Podaisky, The Complete Training of Horse and Rider. And it's a, Podaisky was an amazing person who was the head rider at the Spanish Riding School across the World War Two and into the 60s. And so a really expert, classically trained rider. And he wrote a lot of books and they're easy to read and they're very inspiring. And the Complete Training book is a real reference book in that if you've got a problem, you can go to it and go, all right, okay, this is what Podaisky says about fixing the shoulder in, those sort of things. I love Tom Roberts's books. I really like Ray Hunt's books. He's a Western guy. Um, got lots of great quotes like, I mean, one of my other favourite quotes is from Ray Hunt about when you're training a horse, you try and make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. So it's a lovely experience to go back and read the book by Le Guinier that he wrote in the late 1600s, which is probably the most influential of the original classical training book. Xenophon's book is a little short volume. It's very easy to read and it's got lots of little pearls of wisdom. But the, the core thing with his book is about kindness, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but Podaisky's Complete Training is the one that lives by my bed okay. so that I can refer to it when I need to. Yep, yep. Mm. All right. What are you looking forward to, Kerry? What's your future hold? <laughs> Um, After you've achieved well, everything already, but, you know, what are you on to now? What's the main thing? I'd like to – I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I've got to figure out – I'm just at that point thinking, are my goals actually realistic and am I setting the right goals or have I got the right horses? So I'm a little bit at a crossroads at the moment. My goals have been just to keep training horses to the Grand Prix. I'd like to be a person who has trained a series of horses to the Grand Prix. I've trained a few to that level of work but haven't made got them through the competitions for various reasons. So uh, I've got two FEI at the moment, but I've got to kind of figure out what to do. Um, the horse I love the most is nearly eight hands and I'm four and it's not a really good fit and I'm not sure that I can really get him as collective as I need him to be. So that's the current little thing is 
really to work out, can I get his hind legs up underneath him mm-hmm. with my short legs? Yep. Yeah, so that's the next focus, really. Can I sit on a big trot, even though I'm getting older and stiffer? So I started going to the gym and all that kind of stuff to try and fix up the problems so that I can sit on him better. So I'm not sure if I'm able to do that or not, but I'll give it a crack soon <laughs> we get to. And meanwhile, I'm going to be looking around, looking out for the next one, a smaller one. Yep. Um, that might take me into the Grand Prix in my 60s. So <laughs> I'm not that far off 60 now. So I need a slightly different horse than what I needed 10 years ago. Okay. Because it takes so long to train them, you've got to be thinking, you know, if I take a horse on now to train, it won't be Grand Prix till I'm 65. So it has to be something I think I can sit on and ride and enjoy. At mm-hmm. 65, I've got to think, right, am I going to want to get out of bed and ride this? So that's not the same horse that I wanted to ride when I was 45. Yep, so, yep. Okay. Mm, hopefully, I'm hoping to keep riding as long as I can. I love it. Okay. Good, good. Mm. Okay. Um, now, Kerry, how can people contact you? Email's good, messenger's good. Because I am busy, I'm not that easy to contact on the phone mm-hmm. generally, but, yeah, emails or messengers work pretty well for me. Okay. All right. And, um, oh, your Facebook page as well. Do you mean messenger on Facebook? Yep, yep. Yeah, Field Farm. So business Field Farm, we're always – we've got lots of young horses for sale and we're breeding lovely trainable horses. That, that people can enjoy, you know, it's all about enjoyment, enjoying every day. So that's really our goal with the joint breeding horses that, that can become people's best mates, that they Good. can keep forever and will do the job, job okay. that they want. Okay. All right. And we'll have your contact details on horsechats.com slash Kerry Mack. Kerry, thanks very much for your time today. It's been wonderful talking to you. And um, yeah, I'm you're sure very that, welcome. Yeah, sure, the listeners will. Um, will enjoy all the tips and uh, conversation that we've had. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for asking me. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 